This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Real Real Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. In today's episode, I am interviewing Christina Galbado. Christina is a luxury travel and lifestyle blogger, and she is also an online educator. She gives us so much information in this episode on how to make blogging a full-time job, how she did it herself, any regrets that she might have, and what she would do over. Also, all about growing an engaged following, which is so important, making money on social media, creating an online course, and also just the hiring process when you are your own boss and you're working for yourself and you're looking to scale. She has created a seven-figure business by blogging, and I'm so excited for you guys to hear all about her passive income streams, how she scaled her business starting from a solopreneur to a full-on entrepreneur. I think it's so interesting, and especially in this world where blogging and social media and all of these different careers, um, we, we don't talk about them that much. Like We don't talk about how we make money. People I think assume that, uh, oh, blogging, you're either like living off your parents' money or you're just like faking it to make it look like you're living this type of life. But really, there is a lot of money involved in the social media space. And I'm really happy that I had someone on that could kind of address these, I guess, assumptions, but also address how she actually did it. Because it's one thing to say like, no, 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 trust me, there's a lot of money in this. It's another thing to show what type of money there is and how she made it. So I'm very excited for this episode. And I did also want to thank the reviewer of the week. So this reviewer of the week comes from Simone. She said it is the first time writing her review. Thanks for this real chat. Short, simple, but I want to say thank you for writing a review. It really, really does help my podcast out, and it's a great way to spread the word about my podcast. And if this podcast ever helped you out, entertained you, made you learn something, provided any sort of value, please, please, please be sure to give it a review on iTunes, and then you might also be the reviewer of the week in next week's episode. I'm also sorry for uploading this episode a day late. Uh, You know, the weekend got the best of me, but... I'm still uploading it this week. So I do hope that you guys enjoy Christina's episode and I can't wait to hear what you guys think. Let's just get into it. Hi, Christina. Thank you so much for coming on my show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm really excited to have you on and I'm excited to hear more about what you do and kind of how you built this business for yourself because I think it's super cool. Um, But before we get started, we'll do setting the record straight. So this is just some true or false assumptions and then you'll let me know what your thoughts are on it. Cool. All right. So the first one is blogging is a full-time job. Um, I would say... 
that this is true with some caveats. It can be a full-time job, look just like YouTube or Instagram can be made into a full-time job. Um, but yes, it's totally possible to make blogging a full-time job. I think too, the thing that um, you realize and a lot of people listening realize is that you just have to make sure you're having multiple revenue streams. So with being a blogger, obviously affiliate and ad income as well as brand collaborations, but diversifying beyond that to like online course, digital products, things like that. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think there's so much that you can do with being an influencer. You know, like if you have a YouTube, if you have a blog, there's so many different avenues that you can go down. And I'm a huge believer in diversifying your income. Yeah. So I definitely feel you on that one. Yeah, for sure. It's such a privilege to have an audience, you know? Yeah, no, completely. The next one is in order to scale a business, you need to hire a team. I would say that this is true. From my experience, you can really only get so far if it's just you because as your business is growing, there's going to be you know, so many different things that come up, whether it's like content that needs to be created by somebody else so that you can free up your time to work on more revenue generating activities. Um, so I think, yeah, in order to scale, you definitely do need to kind of outsource and have people take on certain things in your business. Yeah, I agree. I feel like I'm at that at that point right now where I'm like, I cannot do everything on my own. And so, oh my God. yeah, yeah, I have someone that helps me out. I actually have two girls that help me out, and they're amazing. Mm. But it's still like so hard for me to give something up and to yeah. delegate. Like that's something I really need to get better at. It is really scary, like hiring that first person. I, um, my experience with hiring, I um was kind of like more of an on the influencer side for a few years and then as I started building out my online courses I was like oh my gosh I can't answer like any of these customer service emails and like I can't do all of this content and like not lose my mind so I remember the first person that I hired was like just for customer service and now um we have a team of 10 which is like internal employees and like external agencies that I outsource to and I just I think I would lose my mind if I didn't have everybody behind me. (laughs) I know. I'm excited to hear about kind of your process of how you did scale this into such a big business. And because I was looking on your website and on your Instagram and like your Mm -hmm. online course is so in depth and it's so cool. And I'm like, I really want to learn way more about that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's one of my favorite topics to talk about. So I'm excited. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today, as it should, with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard earned cash when I need it most. 
Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Eras tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream, it is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz-free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration, and according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Let's take a second to thank today's sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is by far the absolute easiest way to make a podcast. And when I say easy, I mean easy. First of all, it's completely free and there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit right from your phone or your computer. Best of all, with Anchor, you can add any songs from Spotify directly to your episodes. So the possibilities are endless on what you can create. Whether you want to create a music analysis, your own radio show, a deep dive on your favorite genre or artist, or something that the world's never heard before. Anchor will even help publish your show to Spotify so you can reach hundreds of millions of listeners. Oh, did I mention there's no copyright on the songs? Yeah, it's that easy. If you guys want to start a podcast that includes music or you guys just want to start a podcast in general, get started by downloading the free Anchor app or going to anchor.fm. And if you need some inspiration, you can head over to blog.anchor.fm slash music from some more idea starters. Thank you so much. And let's get into the episode. Awesome. And then the next one is you need a ton of followers to do this full time. Uh, False. I think that this probably used to be true when like influencer marketing was just kind of like rising and becoming more popular. Um, But I think nowadays what matters is the quality of your audience, not the quantity of your followers. Um, 
so what's most important is like the relationship that you have with your community because that relationship will directly translate into um, people buying your products that you sell or people buying from the brands that you recommend um and that's why micro influencers are so successful nowadays is because they've they've grown this really tight-knit community that they're actually able to like interact with a volume of people that are sending them dms whereas somebody that is larger is not so brands are getting more attuned to the fact that micro influencers are super powerful I completely agree. I actually, on the agency side, so I have my own agency where I work with brands, and with uh, we did an influencer marketing campaign, and we kind of did a mix of big influencers with smaller influencers, and mm-hmm. the micro-influencers were the ones with the biggest return. 100%. And I was like, wow, yeah. that's that just, I mean, I always like knew that, but actually seeing it, like, oh, this micro-influencer with 10,000 followers brought you more sales than one with 200,000. It's wild. So it just, it's yeah. crazy. Because I think sometimes like as you have over, you know, 200,000 followers or 300,000, something around that, people start to see you as sort of like aspirational, this sort of like celebrity type figure rather than someone that's smaller might be seen as more of a friend and more trustworthy in that way. Yeah. And I've noticed that even with the people that I follow I know like if if it's like a super big like million follower person I'm like oh they'll never they'll never read my DM they'll never see me you know but with someone that is smaller or someone that has a more engaged audience you feel like you're actually talking to the person definitely 100% yeah and now I want to know more about you and I always like asking this question Mm -hmm. what was something that you wanted to be when you were younger like is this something that you I mean blogging was not a thing when you were younger like I remember blogging was a thing when we went I was in like high school you know like that was even then it was weird and new (laughs) yeah I had like a fashion tumbler but so when you were like growing up what was something that you really wanted to do um, so I definitely was a Tumblr girl. Like that was my favorite thing. So I think I've always been into writing, into blogging, into like, you know, curating creative content in that way. It's actually funny though, because my mom sent me this video that I honestly did not know existed, um, of me and my family on a trip in Hawaii. And we are staying at this like hotel or at this resort. And it's this video of me as like, I think I was probably 12, just like this chubby 12 year old, which I don't understand how kids these days are like so attractive. I was a freaking mess. Um, Anyway, so I'm like filming myself in the mirror with a camcorder being like, hey guys, I'm going to give you a hotel tour. Like tomorrow, wait for this. I'm like, who am I talking to? This camcorder that's going to be sent to my grandma like after our trip is over. But I've always been like that kind of person, I guess. And I've always loved travel. So um I feel like where my life has ended up, I'm not really surprised. <laughs> right, right. I think for me also, I was one of those people that whenever my dad would like take the camcorder out and record, I was like, give it to me, give it to me. Like I want to record. And I yep. would literally do like amateur vlogs in my house when yeah. I'm like nine years old. Yeah. Like it's like so <laughs> funny seeing. Yeah. And, and now people actually watch you. So that's good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I got all that practice out of the way. <laughs> right. Yeah. You were set up for success. <laughs> yeah. And then when did you start getting into blogging then? So how old were you and like was blogging cool when you started going into it or? Yeah. I feel like I've always had like little hobby blogs here and there that were for my friends and family. But when my current blog started, I had just graduated um, college in 2015 and I was working at a big PR agency in New York and my clients were tech startups and I was negative percent passionate about that. And I felt just like such a monotony in my life of like, and I realized that that comes with an enormous sense of privilege, like having this job in New York City and like going to Starbucks every morning. But for me, it, it didn't feel like 
it felt like a mismatch with what I really wanted for my life. Um, and so because of that, like monotony and not feeling like I was doing something that I was passionate about, I started, um, a blog and an Instagram on the side. I worked on it, you know, like secretly in my cubicle and after work every day until like 3 AM. Um, and that's where the blog started. Um, it was a travel blog and my Instagram as well. And it started to pick up you know, speed, more people following me. I didn't realize when I started that it was something that you could make money from at all. I just like was having fun with it. And then as I started to like connect with more people in this space, I was like, oh, okay, I could actually like use this to create a new life for myself that feels fulfilling. Um, so I kept going at it and then ended up quitting my job in 2017. So like about actually less than a year after I started um oh wow That's yeah it was insane. pretty but I will say I don't know if I recommend doing this because I was not like I didn't have enough income at that point to like replace my full-time job um I sort of I had I had saved I got the blessing from my parents my dad was like what the hell are you doing like this is like not a real job he's a very corporate guy my mom has always kind of been more of an entrepreneur so she was um you know they're both supportive but she was very supportive of it and um, kind of just jumped off the deep end. And and I think also like whatever you can give attention to grows, right? So not having the job and being able to focus on what I was doing full time, I think allowed me to grow quicker. Yeah. And so you started your blog in 2016 then? Yeah, 2016. And so a year later you were able to do it or you did do it full time, which is really, yeah. really cool. And did you have any inspirations or role models when you were starting out like anyone that you wanted to like you aspired to be like in the blogging world mm -hmm. um I think the big one for me is probably like everybody's kind of idol in the travel space the blonde abroad um she has just built an incredible diversified business from travel um and you know, gets, you know, paid to work with tourism boards and hotels around the world. I never imagined that that would be something that I would be doing. Um, but it happened through hard work. Um, and also I think when I, before I quit my job, the reason that it kind of like the thing that triggered it, I guess, was I got an invitation from the Dominican Republic tourism board to go on a press trip with them, like two weeks in advance. And I was like, there's no way with my 10 vacation days that my boss is going to let me do this. But I, I saw it as like a sign from the universe of like, okay, this is like, this is going to work out. You need to go on this trip to create content. And you know, you're, you always have your degree and your experience in PR. So you can always go back. Yeah. I think that's a good way to look at it. And also when you, so did you start as a travel blogger? Like how were you getting travel shots? Were you going away on the weekends or like, how did you maintain being a travel blogger while also having a job. Yeah, so I was first of all shooting a lot around New York. I was posting old photos. I was going on little weekend trips or like taking a Monday off here and there to just like go down to Mexico and shoot a bunch of content. Um, that is definitely the harder part about travel blogging and that niche specifically is that it does, I think, require more of an upfront investment than something like fashion does or beauty because those are things that you can shoot around the home and you don't need to be in a specific destination so that's one of the things about being cha challenging things about getting a travel blog off the ground um, but you can always get creative in your neighborhood like try to see the place that you live through tourist eyes um you know post old photos things like that yeah yeah and when you did start, so you did start as like a travel blogger, was that something that you knew that you were going to go into or did you think like, 
oh, I might do fashion, I might do beauty, or were you like, no, I want to be a travel blogger specifically? I knew travel blogging was it for me. Um, I Travel is always the thing that I've been the most passionate about and the most knowledgeable about. Um, I think also when you're choosing your niche and you're wanting to start as a blogger influencer, thinking about the overlap between like, what am I most excited and passionate about and what do people ask me about um, all the time? And that should be your your niche. Yeah. And did you start a whole new Instagram account or was it like you started this new travel blog and that was it? Or did you have to, like, was it your own Instagram mm-hmm. that you grew or you made a whole new account for it? It was a secret for a long time. So I started a new account. A lot of people ask me like, which one is better to do? And I think nowadays, especially because it's harder to grow from zero on Instagram, that if it's possible for you to just transfer over your current account that you have, that's the best route. But at the time I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, so I just wanted it to be a secret for my friends. So I had hid it from them, I think for probably like five months. And then of course my roommate and I were having like a wine night and I told her everything. Um, and from there it was, you know, public knowledge, but, um, yeah, I started a new account for it. (laughs) Yeah. I always wonder that because I feel like sometimes people ask me like, Oh, should I start a new account? And I'm like, honestly, I would just keep your same account and just grow that rather than again like you said starting from zero because that is so hard to do nowadays so So i feel like if you can just use your personal like just use that completely agreed because at least people see when they come to your page that like oh you have 1500 followers or whatever it is it's like a little bit of social proof so right right and then when you did start how did you grow because since you I mean you did start from zero like how did you grow an engaged following how do how were people like finding you what are some tips and tricks from really starting from zero to where you are now yeah um I think the first thing is definitely consistent quality content um nowadays it's a little bit different but consistent quality content and always offering value to your audience whether it's through captions or through reels now um really being a page where someone can feel like they're coming to your page for that, that information. And this person is the expert. Um, stories didn't exist when I uh, first started, but now, now I think stories are incredibly, incredibly important, oftentimes more important than posts, definitely consistently showing your face and interacting in the DMS with your community. Um, getting to know everybody that's coming into your space is definitely really important. Um, And also, I mean, you can't really avoid the fact that you have to be on Instagram a lot, Um, (laughs) engaging with your community and going under relevant hashtags to your niche and engaging with accounts that you find there. Um, Yeah, you do need to be spending a lot of time kind of like engaging with other people to to get that community. So that was a huge part of why I grew so fast. Um, It definitely was easier back then, too. Um, I remember at some point I was gaining like 500 followers a day through just like posting and interacting with people and all of that. I think also back then too, reshares on like those reshare pages were more valuable than they are now. So because I was creating travel content and there's a ton of those travel feature pages, my content was getting featured there as well. So I think that really helped. Um, yeah. Yeah. And for like the reshares, did you tag a bunch of different accounts in hopes that they would reshare you or was it like they just found you? Yeah, definitely tagged a bunch of accounts on like all of my photos, use those like targeted hashtags that feature pages like people to use. Um, and that was definitely helpful. Yeah, because I feel like now it's like I know I see a lot of people tagging a bunch of different accounts and I know it's like in hopes of 
it being reshared. So that's inter- mm-hmm. that's really cool that you did that and like it did end up working really well for you. And yeah. then now you have a seven-figure business. So I think that is really cool how you started from starting this Instagram account, starting this blog, and you've grown it into such a big business. So what are some tips that you would have for some creatives to, who want to make their brand into a business? Like they don't just want to post on Instagram for fun. They actually want to start like making money and like being able to quit their job one day, for example. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a ton of different possible income streams. Um, we can start with brand collaborations, which as of now is probably like 20, 25% of my total revenue. But when I started, it was like a hundred percent of my revenue. Um, but with brand collaborations, what I would say is really important, especially at the beginning is that you're taking the time to actually reach out to brands and PR agencies. Networking, I think is one of the most important things when you're in a creative space, whether you're a YouTuber or influencer blogger, creating those connections with brands and with PR agencies. So what I do and what I recommend anyone listening do is to make like a spreadsheet on Google sheets with like brand names, first names of the person you're going to reach out to and the emails, emails you can always find like on their website or shoot them a DM. Um, And these brands should be brands that you organically already love or that you've seen other influencers around your size partner with. And then PR agencies as well, put those on the list. Um, And PR agencies, for anyone who doesn't know, they are basically um, agencies that represent a bunch of clients and they do the the uh, influencer marketing efforts for those clients. So by making those connections and those relationships with PR professionals, you are opening yourself up to far more opportunities than just reaching out to a brand. Um, They're also the ones that like host events and do the giftings and stuff like that. So definitely important. And then probably like once a week, maybe you can decide to reach out to like four or five brands and you know make it an introduction don't be like hey i'm christina give me money (laughs) um but like form a genuine connection send them your media kit maybe send along a few creative ideas that you have ask to jump on a phone call ask to meet for coffee not COVID days um and that will really start getting you and your account in front of other people but i will say a mistake that people make is thinking that they're going to make a ton of money as an influencer right from the get-go the beginning is not about the free stuff it's not about brand collaborations it's about building your brand and your community um, in order to have something that's sustainable and long lasting rather than something that's just a blip and you're doing a ton of brand collaborations here and there that don't actually fit so that's important to realize Um, and then what I would say from there, um, another way to diversify your income is like freelancing, you know, doing content creation, social media management. When I first started, I was doing social media management just to like be able to do it full time. (laughs) I just like needed money. Um, so that can sometimes be a means to an end, but if you enjoy it, you can do it. Um, but then what you have to think about is with brand collaborations and with freelancing, you are ultimately trading time for money. So whatever amount of your time that you're putting in is the money that you get back. And when you're thinking about wanting to scale your business to six figures, multiple six, seven, you need to create something that is scalable in the sense that you create it once and it can be sold to an indefinite amount of people. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't depend on the time that you're putting into it. So for me, um, that was online courses. I created my first online course in 2018. Um, it's called the influencer bootcamp and it's like specifically, I ran into like a copyright issue because it originally used to be called the IG bootcamp. And then I was dumb and filed for a trademark and the Instagram legal team was like, no, (laughs) you are not doing that. So I had to change the name, 
which is unfortunate, but whatever. That was my first course that I lost in 20, er, launched in 2018. Um, and I didn't know anything about launching at the time, like at all. Um, but since then I've, you know, figured out webinars and funnels and all of that. And so now I have two online courses that are kind of just sold throughout the year, um, through webinars and evergreen funnels, um, using Facebook ads and organic traffic. And that's by far my biggest kind of like revenue generation, but you can do the same thing with digital products, right? Cause you create a digital product once and you can sell it to a ton of people, or you can do coaching again, that is trading time for money. But again, it's something you can charge quite a bit for depending. So that was a lot. And I'm sure everyone's yeah. head is swimming, but there's so many different ways that you can make money online. No, I think that was so helpful. And especially what you said <laughs> with like going back to the beginning, when if you're starting an Instagram or you're starting a YouTube, you cannot expect money right away and you shouldn't expect money right away because no one's going to want to follow someone that's just full of like advertisements because yeah you're not bringing value you're not contributing anything you know if that's all you do people aren't really going to want to follow you so you have to make right. that engaged audience in the beginning which I think is so important and Absolutely. even with yeah and even like you were saying with PR agencies so I have a question of like how do you reach out to PR agencies and actually make a good connection rather than being like, hey, I love this product. I want to work with you. Like, what's the best way that you would say to like actually make a genuine connection rather than just like a sales pitch? Yeah. So the first thing is to find the right PR agencies to reach out to. So um, typically like PR agencies will represent brands that all have like the same kind of target audience, whether it's like US or Europe. So obviously if you're based in the US, I would reach out to US based PR brands, search like NYC travel PR firm or NYC fashion PR firm or something like that to find the right one. Um, but once you have the right contact and you're reaching out again, it's not, I see you represent Pantene. Can we do a paid collaboration? It's introducing yourself, telling them a little bit about your brand, your why the type, like the, you know, overall demographics of the people following you a little bit about your numbers. Um, and then say something like, you know, I, I noticed that you represent an incredible roster of clients. Um, specifically, I'd be interested in, um, you know, this brand and this brand. I'd love to be kept on your media list if there's any opportunities that come up in the future. Um, you know, look forward to hearing back from you. Or you can ask it as a question and say, um, are there any opportunities coming up that would be um, that would be a good fit for me? Um, you know, would love to jump on the phone or get coffee one day if you're able happy to make the connection or something like that um, but it's really coming from a place of introducing yourself getting on those media lists because I remember when I used to work in PR we did a little bit of influencer um, outreach at the end and once I kind of like had my spreadsheet built out it was very rare that I was actually going to look for new influencers <laughs> so you can't expect that you're gonna put all this content out on Instagram and brands are just gonna magically find you you have to you have to network yeah, I think that's so important. And I do think um, even with the clients I have, like with my personal branding consultations, people are very scared to reach out. Like the people are very scared to reach out to a brand or they think that everyone's just going to come to them. And I'm trying to kind of explain like you have to network so much. Like you have to advocate yeah. for yourself mm -hmm. so much because brands, like you said, have their roster already. They know who mm -hmm. they want to work with or they'll ask other brands like who did you work with that was a good fit and so you have to be the one actively reaching out and like introducing yourself so I think that's really really important absolutely absolutely yeah 
And then also with your online course. So I think that's really cool that you started on an online course and how it's like very passive income now for you. How long did it take you to actually create the course? And now like how long have you been selling it? Just so people can see mm-hmm. how that many hours of work, like yes, it must've been a lot, but now you're making money from that in your sleep. You know, like if people yeah. buy it at 1 a.m., like you're <laughs> making money for that without actually having to take the time to do it. Yeah, um, that's a really good point. So with making an online course, I of course it depends what you're teaching on, like in the amount of time that it would take. But for both the influencer bootcamp and the blogger bootcamp, it took me, I want to say it took me like three months to create the course itself. And then like another month to do the emails and like the create the webinar and like the sales process around it. Um, but influencer bootcamp has been live for the last two years and the blogger bootcamp has been live for the last um year at this point so you know once you create an online course of course there's like tweaks that need to be made over time but it's something that you can sell for 10 years 20 years depending on what it is so it's absolutely worth the time investment in terms of the amount of income that it can bring your business in the long term yeah. And you would say that Facebook sale or Facebook ads and like just organic sales is your biggest reach for that? Yeah. Yeah. Facebook ads is really huge because I don't want to be on my Instagram all the time, like sign up for this webinar, like sign up, you know, like that's just not something that I, that not energy that I want to put out. And like occasionally I'll do that on my podcast or on my Instagram stories or whatever. But um, I wanted to be able to drive traffic to my webinars, which um, obviously convert into enrollments. Um, through something that was more passive and that I didn't need to be like constantly talking about it. So Facebook and Instagram ads are that for me. Um, a lot of people in the online course world also do like YouTube ads, which is something we might get into. But um, yeah, Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, no, I think that's really interesting. And I've never had anyone that's done an online course on the podcast. So I think it's just really cool hearing about how passive income is something that all influencers and all bloggers should look Mm -hmm. into. And it doesn't need to be necessarily an online course, but Mm -hmm. something that can make you money without you actually putting in the time to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's like, we're in such a privileged position having an audience because there's so many people in the world that are knowledgeable about something, but don't have the audience to sell an online course too. So obviously as an influencer, as a blogger, like you have so much knowledge in whatever area that you specialize in, why would you not package that into something that other people are honestly probably asking you about? So like look in your DMs, see what questions people are asking you. And that's kind of the key to what you can create. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And since you started travel blogging, it's no secret that COVID has probably impacted that. So how has COVID impacted your business and how has your business changed during this pandemic? Yeah, so for me, it actually hasn't changed much. It's actually, um, (laughs) I hate saying this, it's been good for our online course business because a lot of people now are online more um, and they're also considering like other jobs that they can create because if they've lost their job, they're realizing maybe I want to build something online. So from my online course revenue stream, that has definitely um, grown, but brand collaborations were like zero for <laughs> for months. Um, now travel is starting to pick back up a little bit again. Um, but for other travel bloggers that I know, 
their business has been completely decimated because they rely on those travel brand collaborations on those press trips on creating content for destinations and hotels and obviously that's not happening now so everybody's kind of had to take a step back and be like what again like what can i create that will give me another revenue stream because and i think it's you know that is a silver lining because you always want to be diversifying your income and if you're finding that like you need to rely on a travel collaboration to make any money then that's problematic so i think for those people it's been good um but now travel is starting to ramp up a little bit um obviously i hesitate to to say that but i think that what we're experiencing is that in march at least for me i thought it would be like oh this will be over by september or july or whatever then we'll mm-hmm. be out of it and i think what we're realizing now is like we have to find a way to live with this in a safe way Um, and so I've gone on a couple local trips. I went to Mexico and for all of it, I've been tested like 20 times, um, you know, wearing a mask constantly and practicing social distancing. So in my opinion, there, there is a way to do it in a responsible way, Mm -hmm. but it's complicated (laughs) issue and I'm sure controversial. So, yeah, I feel like a lot of travel bloggers, it's definitely been a wake up call, like you said about diversifying your income and making sure that your eggs are not all in one basket and that's kind of something I talk about a lot even on my YouTube channel like this has shown even those like steady corporate jobs people have lost those now during this time and if all your income is in one place it's really hard when that something like that does happen so I always do encourage anyone to diversify their income like whether that's doesn't have to be related to social media you know but like I think it's really important to have multiple streams of income coming in in instances like this, which I think a lot of us have seen these past few months. And then um, that's good, though, that your business hasn't been that affected, though. I think that that's really great because you do have those passive revenue or passive Mm -hmm. income streams that have made you money that you are still able to generate income even during these times, which I think is great. Yeah, yeah, definitely very lucky. I know that's obviously not the case for many people. So I feel very lucky to have that. Um, and yeah, it's so funny that people think that like, oh, the corporate job is like the safest route when from my experience, at least if you have control over your business, <laughs> that feels like the safer route to me. But you know, yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. And also, you now have a team of people like you said, you had 10 people, I believe you said that you work with. So what was that first step of like realizing that you needed to hire a team and when like when did you realize that like i need to hire someone and i who was like the first hire yeah so my first hire for me i mentioned this a little bit earlier but um it was when i was selling my online course to more actually before that it was my manager but that technically isn't a hire because you're i didn't pay him monthly it was like just a percentage um mm-hmm. but anyway the first hire was after i'd been selling my online course to more people and i was finding that i was spending like hours a day in customer service and in you know answering technical problems people were having and answering questions about the course and in the facebook group like interacting with everyone which i still do um but not to the extent that i was before and that time was taking away the time that i was spending on that was taking away from you know reaching out and pitching brands. It was taking time away from thinking about how I could scale the course and sell to more people. So when I realized that, I was like, okay, this is the first thing that I really need to outsource. So I hired um, a community manager who you know, does all the community stuff and um, provides support for all the students, but then also does customer support as well. Um, and then 
I can't remember the order of people, but I think my next hire from there was Facebook ads to really, you know, scale up, scale things up. And over time, you know, everything has just grown. So I have a, um, a girl that does my weekly newsletters and that writes my blog posts. Um, someone that handles the podcast completely from pitching to managing guests to editing and producing episodes. Um, I have a copywriter who does like sales pages and sales emails and stuff. Um, a design person, you know, random people that I'll outsource tasks to. But I think for anybody that's just thinking about outsourcing right now, what I would look at, like make a list of all the things that you really, really enjoy doing in your business. Um, and then a list of the things that like you semi enjoy, but aren't that good at. And then a list of things that you absolutely hate and you're not good at. And that, that third column is where you want to start. Because if, if certain, you know, really, like time consuming tasks are taking over your time and you're doing them, it, you're preventing your business from growing. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And that's been the hardest thing because for me, I don't know if, and sometimes I'm like, Oh, well, if I delegate this to someone, like, will I even have enough stuff to do? Like, is this even like worthy of someone to hire to do this? Or yep. I get scared in the hiring process or I'm like, what if I'm not picking the right person? Like what are the right questions to ask? So yeah. It's one of those things where for me, it's I get so nervous with hiring someone and being mm-hmm. like, I need to make sure that you have enough things to do on your plate that you are well prepared. And that's yeah. like the hardest part for me is like the delegating process and like totally being a boss, you know? Totally. Yeah. That's really difficult. And managing somebody too, if you're not doing it right, can take up sometimes like more time than you just doing the tasks that they're doing. So something that I learned this year, um, that I didn't know before is when you are growing a business and you have a team of like maybe two or three people or more, you want to hire someone called an integrator or like, um, like an operations person basically that manages the team. So at this point in my business, I don't really like manage my team. I kind of like talk to the operations girl and I say, this is what we need to work on. And she goes and implements that. So that's something you can use when you're kind of scaling and then um, getting like uh, project management tools into place is really important too. So like Asana or ClickUp, um, Slack. Because I found like when I started growing my team, I was like texting everybody. <laughs> like I was texting everybody and then going like, oh, Claire, like Rachel said this one thing. <laughs> it's just like everybody needs to talk in one place. So Slack is right. like huge, even if you just have one employee, because that can be the central like place where you talk. Right, right. I just got a Slack for mine. And it's been really, really helpful. I only have two girls on it, but it's still been really helpful yeah. just to all talk in one place and like have everything in one spot. And I'm I'm using Asana, um, but I'm trying to figure out how to like implement it in the best way because I feel like yeah. there's so many different like layouts and so many different things that you can do that I'm like, I need to figure out how to best use Asana for like yeah. everything that I have going on. Yeah, totally. I know I started looking at Asana um a while ago and it was the same for me I was like do I want this fun like calendar like what project do I want <laughs> um and then someone introduced me to ClickUp, which I absolutely love I feel like the layout makes more sense to me um and you can set up like recurring tasks so like if you have someone that's like writing your blog post every week or something it can be a recurring task to like draft it submit it for approval post it every week mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah I love ClickUp. Yeah. And how, um, how do you, you start hiring? Like, did you look on LinkedIn? Did you get just referrals indeed? Like what was your process when you did hire a team? 
Yeah. So I, I think that every single person that's on my team has been a referral and that's the way that I prefer to do it just because I, I mean, I've hired before from like posting in a Facebook group or something like that. Um, and I think there's a way to do that like strategically where you're asking for, you know, past clients and then you're going to those past clients and checking, double checking the results they got and stuff like that. Um, but every single person on my team has been a referral and that's what I prefer to do. Um, but you can absolutely, you know, Google people post in Facebook groups, post on indeed. But I think if you're going that route, looking for, um, past client success stories is really important. Cause obviously with the referral comes that, like that social proof of them having worked with someone that, you know, um, but definitely asking for testimonials. And another thing too, um, that I've learned is when you're hiring, I think what can be equally as important, if not more important than like them having the skills is do they vibe with like the culture of your team? Are they someone that like is very, um, proactive and excited about your mission? Because I see, uh, some people hire people that are, you know, really good and strategic about this one task, but like they don't fit the team at all and you don't get along with them and their personality type is off and they're coming to you and asking things that like they could literally just Google. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, finding someone that's really proactive and like the right personality is equally as important. Yeah, I think company culture is something that even though I am starting very small right now, it's something that I want to be intentional about. And it's mm -hmm. something that I think everyone should be intentional about going forward. Because if you yeah. don't have an intentional culture at your company, it's not, it's just going to be a mishmash of a bunch of different things. And like, you're not yeah. going to have like one mission. And so that's something that I've been really, really trying to do is like create that culture just from day one yeah. with just one other person. And then when it grows, it'll be yeah. more natural and people will fit more and it'll mesh better yeah you are so smart to do that now I like did not like begin on company culture company values until like earlier this year and it was sort of like once I established them I had to like back up and be like okay guys like this is one of our values like everything that you do in this business if it doesn't align with this um you know don't do it <laughs> um but right. yeah establishing those values and that kind of like overall mission statement is so important as you're hiring and you can even like incorporate them into interview questions you know like tell me like one of our values is community and so like tell me what community means to you and if someone's like it means nothing I like to be alone I'm an individual you're like oh no <laughs> <laughs> that's so true that's actually a good way to interview also um well I have loved having you on this podcast and I feel like I've learned so much from you so I know everyone else will too before we go I wanted to ask one more question mm -hmm. what is your like biggest piece of advice for someone who is wanting to like start something like start a personal brand for themselves and what I guess would you say in 2020 where I feel like people think it's an oversaturated market even though mm -hmm. like I don't really think that but People say that all the time. So what's mm -hmm. like your biggest advice for someone that thinks that but still wants to start something? Yeah. Okay. So I completely agree with you. I don't think that the industry is oversaturated. I think there's always new room for people that are doing something different. And just by being your own individual self, you are different as long as you are showing up authentically as you and not trying to copy what someone else is doing. Um, so that's that. But what I would say with starting, this is honestly, it, it's the question that people ask me the most that like, I want to start a blog, but like, I know what to do, but like, how do I start? Um, and I think there's a certain, like, I'm not, I'm very bad with like mindset coaching, but like 
you just ha- you just have to start. You just have to do mm-hmm. whatever that first step is. I think people oftentimes get overwhelmed with like the big picture of like I want to create this like blogging empire and like all these different revenue streams and then it's like that that huge goal is stopping them from even like taking the first step. So just like break it down. Like what's the first thing that needs to happen? If you want to create a blogging empire, you need a blog. <laughs> so let's like <laughs> set up the blog first. Let's do that and then once you set up the blog, like you use that confidence that you that you've gotten from taking that first step to be like, I can do hard things. I can do these things because on the other side of it, I have a win and I feel more confident in myself. So then what's the next thing that I can do um, mm-hmm. and the next win that I can give myself? So I think getting caught up in that that big picture can can stop a lot of people, but break it down. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. I think that's always the biggest thing people think or people get too scared. Big picture. They're like well, I'm never going to make it or there's too many people in the industry or, well, I posted and like, I'm not getting any new followers and it's been like a month and yeah. I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah. you just have to continue and keep doing it. So keep I, going. yeah, yeah, I really, really love that advice. Mm-hmm. And where can they find you and also your influencer bootcamp and your blogging bootcamp and all of your online courses? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at Christina Galbato. My website is christinagalbato.com. Um, And my online courses are all on my website under the work with me tab. And then if you want to attend like a free Instagram training or a free blogging training, that's on there as well. Um, Not on the work with me tab. Sorry. Learn from me tab. (laughs) So um, yeah, that's where you guys can find me. And I'd love to hear from anybody that listened and learned something new. So feel free to shoot me a DM. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for Christina for coming on my podcast. I thought it was amazing. And I cannot wait to upload this podcast. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. Be sure to join the private Facebook group. Follow us on Instagram. And also be sure to leave a review if you did enjoy today's episode. Check out Christina and all of her social media accounts, her online course. If you guys want to learn more, I would love if you guys could post us on your story of you listening, maybe tagging both of us, um, DMing Christina, letting her know that you came for my podcast all of that good stuff, but thank you for listening and I'll see you guys next week on Monday on time with another episode of the Real Real Podcast. Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here. And vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.